Hello and welcome to UX Soup, a short-form podcast that looks beyond the buzzwords to give you the latest developments impacting the user experience of personal devices and services in the home, in the car and on the go. As always, UX Soup is presented by Strategy Analytics, a global research and consulting firm providing our clients insights, analysis and expertise. I'm Lisa Cooper and I'm joined today by my co-host Chris Schreiner. Hello. Hello. On today's podcast, we're talking about electric vehicles. What do consumers think of them? What barriers they experience in buying one? And the HMI of EVs and charging user experience. So let's talk about perceptions of electric vehicles. Chris, you published some research not long ago about this. Are people ready for them? Well, they need to be ready for them because a lot of automakers are saying we will be producing electric vehicles. But our survey data suggests that, at least in the U.S., consumers aren't quite ready to uh, embrace them. In Europe and in China, they're much more willing to adopt an EV. But in the U.S., a lot of consumers, when we ask them, how willing are you to consider a non-traditional petrol or gasoline-powered vehicle, almost half of them said, I will not. It must be a regular gas car. So there are a lot of consumers here in the U.S. that are still... Holding on to it. Yeah, they're, they're not ready to switch over yet. Now, why, why do we think this is, given all of the, given the push towards it and the tax credits? There are a number of reasons. So uh, one, early electric vehicles didn't have a very great range. And there was all this talk about range anxiety and... I'm not going to be able to get to where I want to go. I'm going to get stranded with no battery. And what am I going to do? Certainly there is work that needs to be done with the charging infrastructure. There need to be more chargers available. Charging takes time. Yes. Even rapid chargers would typically take about 30 to 50 minutes to get your vehicle from empty to full. Mm -hmm. So that's... A lot of time the consumers right now don't have to do is you go into a, a gas station and you fill up in a couple of minutes and you're on your way. Here it's like, well, I have to sit and wait and do something and that's going to impact my time. And hopefully there is a charging station because I don't know where they are. I've never really been to one and hopefully they're not full because if they are full, what am I going to do? So there are all these concerns that are keeping them from doing that. And on top of that, a lot of early... EVs, the experience of them isn't that great compared to the price tag. So if you have a $40,000 electric vehicle, but the interior looks like a $20,000 car, mm -hmm. you're not going to want that. And I wonder if the, the issue with infrastructure, the fact that it does take a while to charge, is this why women are returning to gas cars at a much greater rate than men after owning an electric car. Given that, I mean, I imagine that it doesn't feel very safe. You have to stop wherever you have to stop. If you don't feel safe from going from A to B, and you feel like if you have to stop in the middle in order to charge or searching for a place to charge, perhaps that's why women are returning to... That might play a role with it. I think you're referencing a, a study that was publicized recently talking about surprising number of EV owners that then go back to a traditional gas-powered vehicle. Correct, yeah. 
that might play a small role in it, but I think a larger issue just has to do with overall cost. Certainly those that have an electric vehicle would like to continue to have an electric vehicle, but it's not the only thing that goes into their purchase decision. Again, that, that cost thing, the overall sticker price of the vehicle matters. And as certain OEMs are losing the tax credit, so you don't get that $7,500 off in the U.S. off the sticker price of that car, that makes it a less interesting proposition. So I think more than anything, it's that, it's that cost element that goes into going back to a, a gas-powered vehicle. So you are a former electric vehicle owner. Indeed. Tell us a bit about your experience. Do you currently have an EV or did you switch back? I switched back. And so tell me a bit about the experience that you had with it and why you switched back. So I had a smart car. Very cute. I felt very <laughs> safe in it. Very um, nippy. Very nippy. I, it was, I enjoyed driving that car the most. It was very enjoyable. It was a lease car though, so it didn't belong to me. But there was an option to buy it at the end. For me, there were a number of reasons why I returned to a traditional car. Um, it wasn't the cost in that case because smart cars are reasonably priced. It was more to do with, well, number one, batteries and technology and so on are moving at such a fast rate why would I spend so much money on something that would be obsolete in just a few years' time? Right, because those smart cars only had about 80-mile range in good weather. And that was the second issue, was the weather, because I'm based in New York. The, I saw the, those ranges go down significantly in the cold that, that we would experience uh, in wintertime. We do have a second car, so we could have used that car instead. Um, but I think the main thing for me was about the technology. I just knew that that technology would advance significantly. By the time I would have paid off that loan, there would have been much better models on the road that I would have preferred. And it just didn't make sense. And the vehicles that are out there now will get 180, 240 plus miles. Yes. If you had a vehicle like that, would you have, if, if your smart car had that kind of mileage, do you think you would have kept it? Again, the weather. If it didn't have as much of an impact on the battery life, yes. But even, again, technology, it it's changes so rapidly that I know that it will get even better than that. The range will get even better. The infrastructure as well plays a role, as does the, the cold and what that does to the battery. Yeah, I think I think some of what we're seeing now in the U.S., is even with the ones that have like 250 mile range, consumers will then think about, oh yeah, so on that summer vacation that I take with the kids, you know, I won't be able to take this car. Even though they could, because on a long trip, you take a rest break anyway, you typically stop to eat somewhere and that would be a good time to charge, but that's not something that they're comfortable with or familiar with, or again, they're unsure about whether that charging station will be there for them when they need right. it. They're not. <laughs> There's and, still not many in the U.S. I mean, it's there aren't that many of them, really, compared to a, a gas station. They're everywhere. Yeah. And even though it would suit their needs for 99.5% of all of their journeys, they see that 0.5% where it doesn't, and 
that factors a lot into their, their decision. So when it came to the HMI of the vehicle, uh, smart car has both a digital and a dial readout at least. Uh, was that enough for you? What did you think about how it communicated battery level and, and range? Oh, I like that because it would tell me when I was actually charging the vehicle. So for example, if you're going downhill, it would show that you were charging, it would charge the, the battery. It would help with your driving. It would help you become a better driver. It was very good at communicating yeah. points where you are charging the battery and points where you were depleting the battery and driving behaviors that needed to be modified in order to optimize your battery. So that was really helpful. However, I did find that once the battery started to get low, the accuracy of how much, if you have 20% battery left, it became much, it was not very reliable. Right. The mileage that it said I would have left wasn't particularly reliable. It would go jump down. or. And I think that's one area where we're seeing more improvements around more intelligent range determination. So looking at your driving patterns, your driving history, and, uh, having a connected electric vehicle that knows the weather, that knows the road conditions coming up, that is has a map with elevation so it knows how many hills that you'll be driving being able to have that additional information to give you smarter predictions about what range you have i think is something that will help alleviate that yeah because the variations can be so great as opposed to you know with a a traditional car okay if you have more people in it or you're carrying a heavier load you know that you will use more energy but it doesn't matter because there are gas stations everywhere. You, you, can, you can have some unreliability there. You can have some guesswork there about how far you'll get on a tank because that's okay. At every, every junction, every, every point where you can get off a highway or most exits, you will see a gas station, right. but you don't see a charging station. How many miles is it to that next charging station? And that's... I think one of the other keys that we're not seeing in certain electric vehicles is knowing where charging stations are. I think every electric vehicle needs to have a connected navigation system that has what charging stations are around Mm. that are compatible with your vehicle and their availability so that you know where you can go. And if there's a charging station on your route and if you past this exit on the motorway if there's going to be one at the next two or three exits so that you can stop there. Not enough vehicles have that, and it's surprising when there's an electric vehicle out that has zero navigation system available. Having that connected nav with charging station location and availability is table stakes, I think, for an EV to help with that range anxiety issue. Yeah, because you could have uh, a place in a what was happening when I had one, you'd have a traditional parking lot or car park that would have some charging stations, but what if they're full? Right. There may only be three charging stations as in a whole car park. There may only be three. Um, one's taken, one's broken, right? <laughs> and the other one's that, not compatible. That would happen where they'd be broken or. They'd be taken. 
So then how long do you have to wait for them to be done? They may have plugged it in because they had an appointment. They just thought they'd plug it in anyway, or they needed to wait for it to charge. A lot of electric vehicles out there have more information. So of course, just battery level and range is a must have. A lot of others have more graphical deep dives into deep dive (laughs) exactly how much charge and showing visuals of flow and all of that do you do you think people want all that yeah did you ever want that your smart car didn't have it but no it was nice and simple i had all the information i needed i me i mean it would be nice to have something that gives me the information that we spoke about just a moment ago about where the next charging station is in a navigation system yes a navigation system that would be great but really engineering like flow designs aren't something that not not for me for my particular needs i mean some people might need that but not mine i think they were a good idea for people that really didn't know anything about what an ev is but i think we're getting to a point especially vehicles that are being designed now i don't think we really need to get that in depth with it. I think it's a very small proportion of, of EV owners that ever really go in to look at that or have that up. Or will do anything more than look at it once and then never go back again. I'm thinking about my neighbors because when they installed their solar panels, they had to think about their future requirements. They knew that at some point in the future, they would want to have an electric vehicle. So they made sure that the solar panels they had installed could accommodate that. Those are the things they have to think about. Right. With that idea, when you had your smart car, you didn't have a its own charging station. You just plugged it into the wall. Yes, it was plugged into the wall in the garage. I think that could be another barrier is that some people either don't have a plug mm-hmm. or don't really want to install a separate charger. Right. I think when you buy an electric vehicle that really having a a mobile charger or something small lightweight that can work with their existing infrastructure right the the fewer barriers the better yeah we need to eliminate some of those barriers Mm -hmm. so let's move on to condensed soup condensed soup (laughs) (laughs) i'm feeling sing-songy today (laughs) whoop whoop (laughs) so what is your best or worst electric vehicle experience so back several years ago when the tesla model s first came out i was on a business trip with uh, some clients and we all went out to dinner and one of them happened to have a model s and after dinner he said you all want to come in and experience ludicrous mode and we're like okay so my colleague and i Got in the vehicle. I got in the front seat, passenger, and you drove to a uh, deserted part of the parking lot <laughs> and turned on ludicrous mode, uh, which, if you don't know, takes a Tesla from zero to 60 in well under three seconds. And I got whiplash so bad. <laughs> you did my, not. my head <laughs> hit that headrest so hard. I wow. thought I I was a little woozy. I was a little woozy afterwards. It was that powerful? It was that powerful. It was like nothing I had ever experienced in a car before. 
granted I had never driven like a real racing sports car, at least not that fast. (laughs) It was certainly something I had not and since then have not experienced. What's yours? Not as exciting as that. So I've only driven my electric vehicle. And to be honest, I think this experience is more to do with the fact of driving a smart car than it was the electric vehicle. All my experiences were just very positive with it. There was nothing that stood out. I was just very satisfied with it. But it did seem to be a trigger for people to see that vehicle around. Trigger? Some people would think it was the best thing ever. It was this tiny little car. And they loved it, and they would they would point at it, they would wave, they would do a little dance, they thought it was the best thing. They always saw you coming. They saw me coming. Other people, however, would shake their head, sort of scoff, just go, oh my God, you could just see their faces, or they'd point and go, ugh, and eye roll. It was just very uh, divisive. Hmm. Very, so, very noticeable. Yeah, it it was something more about having a tiny car that seemed to bother people. And also, people would try and intimidate me on the road, particularly truck drivers, Mm. would drive extremely close to me and try and get me out the way. Uh, They didn't like me in the way. Were were they extremely close or did it seem like it because the car was so short? I knew you were going to say that. No, they would drive really close. They would try very aggressively drive aggressively around and they would just aggressively pass me it's not like i was under the speed limit or anything but i experienced the most aggressive driving behavior around that little car than i have in any of my other cars and i don't drive big cars so i'd like to think that since then attitudes have changed a bit a bit more acceptance yeah i don't know if it was well do I don't think it was acceptance of an electric vehicle per se. It was more a fact of a two-seater vehicle. Right. And it being small. And that's very much an American thing. Yes, I think so. Okay, so I think that about about wraps it up. Um, If you'd like to chat more about the user experience with electric vehicles or to send us any questions you may have, you can email us at uxsoup, all one word, at strategyanalytics.com. The show notes are on our podcast website, ux-soup.com, and there you'll find links to our recent research on electric vehicles. You can also connect with us, um, each of us on LinkedIn there too. A reminder that UX Soup is sponsored as always by Strategy Analytics. Check out the latest user-focused insights in mobile, automotive, and smart home by visiting strategyanalytics.com. Thanks for joining us. Bye for now.